Father, I just want to thank you for, God, for your word, first of all. God, it's something that I don't always understand, and I know this is something that a lot of people don't understand. But God, I just, I'm just thankful that you help us to understand it, God. You give us wisdom to understand. God, you speak to our hearts. God, you give examples in our lives to help us to understand what you're saying. God, you reveal stuff to us, and God, you, you give us strength to put it into action, and, and Lord, I pray that as I speak, that it would be all for your glory, God. As I do the calling that you have put on my life, I pray that it does nothing but lift you high, not myself, not anybody else, but God, it would lift you high, and that people's hearts would be changed by you, not by what I say, but by what you say through your word, and that you're just using me, God, to make the truth more clear, and I pray that that's all that would come out of my mouth would be truth, Lord. It wouldn't be anything twisted. It wouldn't be anything to confuse anybody, Lord. I pray that it would be nothing but truth, and that truth would change their lives, and I pray, Lord, that that would happen tonight, and Lord, I pray you would just be with me. Give me strength to do whatever it takes to get this truth out, Lord, and give the people in this room strength to change if you're calling them to change and give them strength to go out into the battlefield when it's their time. Lord, it's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right, so we're in this, uh, this series called Bold, and it first started, just so y'all can have a little background, like just my mind on it. It just first started, I was, we were in the series Broken Vessels, and I just noticed how every time we were talking about Jesus, and, and we were in the Gospels, and we were just learning about what he was saying and what he was doing, I just noticed that he was just so bold, and like, it wasn't, it wasn't this like overbearing, like dominating, and like micromanaging kind of bold. It was like, I'm going to stand up for the truth, and I'm going to tell you, no, no matter who you are, no matter what you can do to me, the consequences of me telling the truth, I'm just going to tell it anyway. And he just put it so straightforward, and I was just looking at that, and I was thinking, I, I want to be like that. I don't know if I am like that, because, you know, there's this, there's this battle we have when we're talking to people, and, and they... They're talking about one thing, and, and we say, well, you know what, Here, here's the gospel. And we have this battle in our minds, like, I don't want to just, I don't want to be so bold and, and come on too strong and push them away, but you also don't want to be this, this weak and, and passive person. So it's like, when you look at Jesus' life, he's just got this perfect balance of, of coming in and, and being so graceful, but he's so bold and authoritative, and, and it's just, the, what it really is it's, it's grace, and, and he loves this person so much, whoever he's talking to, whether it's a Pharisee or the woman at the well, or whether it's a, a tax collector or a blind person, he loves these people so much that he's going he's gonna to be bold and tell them what they need to hear, regardless of the situation, and that's what it just made me think of, and then all of a sudden, like on New Year's, I think it was the day after New Year's or something, we had church, I forget which one it was, whether it was New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, but anyways, Kenny is talking about how this year... I want this year to be about being bold. Like, I want to step out and be bold for the gospel. No matter the consequences, I want the gospel to be what this church is about. We want to step out and, and, and spread this word as, as Christians, as broken vessels. And it just kind of solidified at that point. And then last week, Kenny talked about in John 9, 
where, the, where Jesus came out to this blind man, or the blind man was a beggar, and Jesus heard him begging, and he spit on some dirt, made it into mud, and put it on his eyes, and he told the man, go over there and wash it off your eyes. And then when he did that, he could see. And he was confronted with the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were like, how can you see now? And, and he was like, this man, Jesus, he spit on this mud, and, and now I can see. He brought his parents in and was like, was this man blind when he was born? And, and who did it? Because he claims Jesus did it. And it was like, I don't know how, and I don't know who did it, but all I know is that he was blind, and now he can see. And that's what the man said. They brought him back in. And he was like, have you not... I told you once, and I'm going to have to tell you again, that this is what happened. Jesus, that man Jesus, healed me. And, and it was like, well, where is he from? It was like, you're questioning where he's from? It's like, who, who, do, you, who do you know that could, that could just make a blind man see, a blind man from birth see? And it was like, it's, it's pretty clear to me that this man's from God. And so this, we just kind of talked about how he was so bold in that situation to say that to the Pharisees because he was sticking up for the truth. And, you know, you hear a lot of people, you know, I, I asked somebody at my work, I said, I was like, I ask him stuff all the time. And, you know, we have different views on things, I guess you could say. But I ask him these things just to see, you know, what do people think? And I just kind of have different opinions. And I said, what do you think bold is? Like, when you talk about bold, what is boldness? And he was like, it's standing up for what you believe in. And to, to a certain extent, that's true. But it really depends on, on what you believe in, you know? I mean, there's, there's a lot of people who stand up for what they believe in, and what they believe in is something like uh, evolution, or they stand up, stand up for something like, uh, you know, atheism or, or whatever. And if, if they want to do that, that's fine. But it was just, it's just so vague. It was so vague to me when he was just like, it's just stand up for what you believe in, because what I, I want to get down to the bottom of it. Like, I, I want to I stand up for the truth. If it's not the truth, I don't want to give my life for it. And, and so whenever we say stand up for truth, be bold for the truth, what is the truth? And, and I, I want to get down to it. I don't want to have this vague understanding of what truth is. It's like, well, you believe this about the Bible, and, and you believe this. Well, we could both be right. Well, no, no, excuse me. There's, there's one Bible, and, there, and there's one truth in there, and I want to get to the bottom of it. And I'm not going to settle and it may take me looking for it myself, and, and I'm, I'm going to get different opinions on it, but, but I know that the Holy Spirit, God is going to guide me in that. And, and, and we can't all be, you know, right and have ten different opinions. Okay, there, there's, there's one truth, and I want to stand up for that. I want to be bold for that. And if I don't know it quite yet, and I'm going to keep searching for it, that's, what I, that's where the boldness comes in is that you keep searching for it. You don't, you don't be scared about what the truth is. Just search for it out. Because I, I would rather search for the truth and, and be, and be kind of disappointed in what the truth is than, than not to know the truth and, and think that I'm right this whole time. And by the end of my life, I have regrets because I realized that what I thought was right was not right. What I thought was the truth was not the truth. I don't want to be that. I want to stand up. I want to be bold and search for it now. I want to be bold and, and search for that truth and get to the bottom of this thing. And I, I just do not like... I can't, it, it just, it bothers me to just be so general about everything. Just be so, uh, you know, whatever, this is true, this is true. I just can't, I can't do that. And, and when I talk to people like that, especially Christians, and I, I work with people who all claim to be Christians. So when I talk to these people and the truth is so vague, 
I'm wondering if they've ever read about Jesus. I'm wondering if they ever read the gospel or the Bible because it seems to me that they don't know the truth and they're not bold enough to search it out and to stand up for it. And so this week, I'm not really sure why God led me here because oftentimes, and I know this is something I have to get over, but it was, it's kind of like a, I guess you could say a root of bitterness in my heart that I've got to get rid of, but sometimes I try to steer away from, from passages in the Bible that, that churches, I say that, it's just going to sound really bad, but just try to hear my heart about it. The churches will just like harp on, you know, these passages and they, and they, won't, they won't go through the whole Bible. You know, Kenny said it before, but like it really bothers me when, when we just preach about the big, the big stories and that's it. You know, if we only preach about Jesus, you know, feeding the 5,000, but we, we never teach about, you know, Jesus doing other things, it really, it really, you don't get the whole picture and it, and it really bothers me. That's not all Jesus did and he was much more full than that. You know, we're, we're selling him short if we're just saying that he fed 5,000 people. And so tonight we're going to be in 1 Samuel 17. Some of y'all know that's the story of David and Goliath. And when God led me to this, I was just, uh, like I said, I, I had that in my mind that I didn't really want to do that because I wanted to pick something unique. I wanted to, you know, I wanted, to, I wanted God to lead me somewhere that, that I had never seen before. And, and I wanted to see, like, what is boldness really about? And it's not just about these big stories like this. And everybody knows when you talk about boldness, you're going to go to the boldest man in the Bible, which is David, who came across this, this giant and he fought him. But God led me here, and I saw something, and he revealed something to me, and that's what we're going to talk about, and that's all, you know. Anyways, we're in 1 Samuel 17, and the background of it is, is this man named Samuel is a, a high priest in Israel. He's the, he's the highest, you know, and you can get, he's basically the lead man. And he has 12 sons, I believe. And they were the judges over Israel. Well, Israel did not like this. They wanted a king. So they, they started, like, you know, questioning this. And they were like, hey, Samuel, can we have a king instead of the judges, your sons? You know, because we don't like this. We, we need a king. We need to be strong. You know, because all the other strong people in the world, all the other strong nations have kings. So Samuel went to God, and God was like, well, if they want a king, let's give them a king. And so they picked this man named Saul. And eventually, it got to where you know, this, this man Saul was falling after God in the beginning, and everything was great. He was, he was a great military leader, and he was conquering a lot of things, and people were all for this. But eventually, Saul started building up this pride in him. And he started kind of going for, for Saul. And Saul was the God in his life. God wasn't his God. And so eventually God was like uh, talking to Samuel. It's kind of like a, a dialogue kind of thing. It goes really into depth. And uh, it was like, I have rejected Saul as the king over Israel because of what he has done. That God told Saul to go into battle against these people and to kill everything. He said, I want nothing to be alive when, you, when it come back. And what they did is they went and they killed everything that they did not want. Everything that had 
a poor quality to it or anything that didn't benefit them, they killed. But things that benefited them, as in the cattle and the sheep and then the, the expensive things like gold, and, and they brought back their king. They brought back these people and these that person and the animals alive. And God was like, I told you to kill everything. It's like, but God, I did what you wanted me to do. I, I, you know, I brought back the king, and, and these, things, they were, these things were valuable, you know? I mean, like, I did what you asked me to do, but I brought these things back. I was like, no, you didn't do what I asked you to do. So you will no longer be king. And so he tells Samuel to go searching, and he ends up at this man named Jesse's house. And this man named Jesse had eight sons, and, and Samuel was like, well, the oldest son, he looked at the oldest son, he was real nice and strong, like a warrior, and this dude was, he was fit for the job. And he was like, it's like, I bet that's the man. And then God said, no, see, you look on the outside. See, he looks like the man that would be the king over Israel, but you know what? I look at the heart. And so he goes down from the oldest to the second oldest, and, and, and so on and so forth, until he gets to the youngest, his name was David. And he wasn't even in the house. He was like, do you have any other sons? Because God's not confirming that any of these are, are the men that I want to be king over Israel. And he was like, yeah, I got a son named David. He's the, uh, he's the shepherd out in the, in the pasture there. So I'll tell him to come inside. And he's like, that's the man I want, right there. And then all of a sudden, Saul gets this, he starts getting depressed because God allowed him to get depressed, and this, they called it a tormenting spirit. So he allowed things to happen in his, in his life at, at that moment in time to, to torment him, to be depressed. And he was, you know, he was just kind of, I guess, just extremely depressed. And what they, they were like, well, what we're going to do is we're going to find you a musician to come and play you some music while you're sad and you're depressed. And, and then it'll make you feel better. He's like, well, I know, man. His name is David. He can play the harp. And so they say, well, call that man David and tell him to come in and, and play the harp for me when the tormenting spirit hits me. And so he gets depressed, and David plays the harp, feels better. He goes, I want this man to stay around for a long time. You know, so they tell Jesse that David needs to stay because I have a tormenting spirit, and while he plays the harp, I feel better, so I want him to stay. He ends up becoming an armor bearer. Do you see what's happening here? So Saul is going against God, and he told Saul, God told Saul, you're no longer going to be the king. And then David, he gets David to, you know, Samuel to pick David, and David gets his foot in the door because God just put things into place to, to get David's foot in the door. And that's where it, we end up here, where he's a David and Goliath story. So in 1 Samuel 17, I'm just going to read... Um, I wasn't sure if I should read the whole thing because it's really long. But if, we're, if God tells me, if I just feel like I should read the whole thing, I'm going to read the whole thing. And, and we're just going to pay attention. And I'm not going to feel sorry if you get distracted and don't want to pay attention anymore. That's fine. Just kind of look inside your heart and see what's really important in this moment and see is God's Word more important than the things you're going to do after this. And, and then you'll find in your heart what, what's really there. So I think that we're just going to read the whole thing. Maybe I may talk a little bit, but I really feel like this story is powerful. And I really feel like this story as a whole, I don't need to skip anything. This story, I want to read it in context. I don't want to just pick bits and pieces out of it because I like it. Starting in verse 1, 
The Philistines now mustered their army for battle, encamped between Soko in Judah and Azekah at Ephes Demim. Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. Then Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him, carrying a shield. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across, the, across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I'm the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he, kills, if he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Now David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Ephrathite, from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at that time, and he had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shimea, had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army, but David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. For 40 days, every morning and every evening, the Philistine champions strutted in the front of the Israelite army. One day, Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report how they are doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. So David left his sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts, as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield and shouts with shouts and battle cries. Soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from champion from Gath came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant, the men asked? He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. David asked the soldier standing nearby, what will the man get for killing this Philistine in any of this defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, this is the reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother Eliab heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know, that, I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now, David replied. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul, and the king sent for him. So what we see right there is this dude who is nine foot nine, and he's just a giant. And this it's weird because if we saw a nine foot nine dude nowadays, the thing about it, we know there's something wrong with him, like like something happened in this dude's childhood that allowed him to never stop growing or something, you know. And he's probably going to be walking around slow, 
and he's probably going to have really achy joints and all this kind of stuff. But this dude was like for real, and he's kind of scary. And by all accounts, like as a human, we would, it's, it's kind of natural to feel scared at that moment. And, and you look at that man, and, and if, I, if I'm in that army, and I'm just looking at this dude, I'm not going to be the guy that goes and does it, okay? I, I'm, I'm looking at this guy, okay, I, I know y'all want me to. I know y'all want me to say, as y'all's youth pastor, that I would step out and be bold for God and just go out and fight this Philistine, this Goliath, this giant. But I'll be honest, I probably wouldn't. I'd probably just be sitting there waiting on my stronger friend to go out there and do something. But you know what? The reason why I wouldn't? Because I'm consumed with the look of him. I look at him and I see, I see that he's strong. I see he's bigger than me. I see that he has the advantage, but also I see the consequence. I think to myself, well, if I go out there and fight him, okay, I can, I can muster up the strength and I can be bold enough to take the risk. And you know what? I can die, I think. But regardless of all that, if I die, that means I just let this whole army down. And they have to be the slaves of the Philistines forever until they say, you know, you're good to go, whatever. That's what's going on in my mind. So for 40 days, I can imagine all these soldiers who are brave enough to fight on a daily basis or, or whenever they're called. I don't know how often they fight, but they're ready to fight. These people, I, I, I'm just assuming that they're thinking those things in their mind. And then you got David. It was like, Jesse said, Hey, David, why don't you go uh, feed your brothers? They're out there fighting for, you know, our freedom. So why don't you just go give them some bread and give their captain some cheese? Leave your sheep to somebody else today. And so that's what he does. The man's got two jobs. And the thing I want to point out about this, he's got two jobs. He's got two responsibilities. Number one, he's a shepherd. Number two, he's the king's armor bearer, and he plays the harp for him. David was humble. David submitted to those two jobs, and he was, he was faithful to doing those two things. And it was preparing him for this moment. And so we move on, and it says, it says, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, and he said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead. And may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. So this... this Sometimes it's so hard to, to say what you know God has revealed to you. And like I said a minute ago, I, I probably wouldn't be the one to step out and go. Now don't, 
don't think I'm just, you know, a weakling. Y'all wouldn't either, okay? Y'all don't, y'all, y'all don't play like that, okay? I know y'all bigger. Some of y'all are bigger and stronger. Y'all wouldn't be stepping out. I don't know. Maybe y'all would. But anyways, I, the, thing about, the thing about boldness, I, I think we just, sometimes we have a, a bad perspective on, on what that is. Because, you know, you, you have, it's not, it's not about personality. Boldness is not about what your personality is. Because just by nature, I'm an extremely timid person. I'm, I'm passive. I don't want to hurt your feelings. I don't want to confront you with anything. And I sure as heck don't want to fight you. Like, that's not me. Like, all my friends when I was growing up, they were huge. And they were, they, and they were crazy. Some of them were short and little, but they were crazy. And they beat you up. And every time I almost got in a fight, they stepped out in front of me and they fought for me. And I was like, get them. <laughs> yeah. Because I sure wouldn't have won. I know some of these guys, they were twice my size. I was like, uh-uh, not me. And I was like, can we talk it out, bro? Can we talk? I'm sorry. Whatever I did, I'm sorry. And but anyways, that's, that's my friends. And that's my personality. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm not really... There's people, there's certain people who are inclined to jump out of an airplane, and there's some people who are inclined to stay on the ground. You know what I'm saying? And it, I don't feel like this person who likes to stay on the ground is any less bold. You know? It's not really not about personality, and I know that there's, there's some of us in here that feel like, oh, we're not bold because we're not willing to do certain things. Well, it's not about your personality. It's not about you being willing to do something just out of your comfort zone. And, and you're, just, you're just so bold to go out and step out of your comfort zone. You know, it's, not everybody's like that. Not everybody's just willing to do something crazy and, and riskful. But the thing I want us to notice is, is David, David just, just, he didn't think twice about it. He says, I'll go fight him. And what I want... To see, and, and I, w- I was so scared to, to point this out, but is that it's not about your personality, it's about your calling. It's about your calling. You see, you, David didn't spend his whole life thinking, I'm going to go fight this Goliath. And he, he didn't spend time thinking in his mind, if a Goliath ever came up to me, I would be bold enough and I would, I would fight him. No, it was, it was God called him to this. God allowed the things to happen, and he allowed uh, Saul to, to, to do the things he was doing, and, and he said, Saul, I don't want you anymore. And, and he stepped David up into the, into the palace and, and got him into it. He put his foot in the door. God planned all that. David had nothing to do with it. It wasn't, it wasn't David. God just chose David to be that person. God chose David. He put a calling on David's life, and he was just submitting to it. See, I feel like sometimes we take boldness and we separate it from humility. And if you're going to follow God's calling, it is coupled with humility. It's saying, I'm willing to allow God to change me. I'm willing to look past myself and allow God to change my heart on some things. Because you know what? I don't know everything. I don't have the answer. I don't know what my future is going to look like. 
I don't know, David, David might have thought to himself or just assumed, maybe he never thought about it, never really worried about it. And I bet he just assumed that he was just going to be a shepherd and, and grow up just like his dad, just like everybody else in that culture, they did what their dad did because that's what they learned to do. But he was humble. He submitted to God's call on his life and he knew this is, God had sovereign control of his life and he was humble enough to let God change his situation. And then, because he was called to that, God strengthened him to the occasion. And I, I, don't, I, don't, want to, I don't want us to get confused about this because if God called you to, to fight this Philistine, this Goliath, this giant, and say the story was changed. I'm not, I'm not twisting the story. I'm just saying, what if the story was changed? What if he wasn't supposed to win? Is he still bold? Is he still considered victorious in this situation? Because in our life, you, know, you hear a lot of sermons about David and Goliath, and so you're going to face spiritual giants. Which, that's true. I mean, I don't necessarily go against that. I'm just saying you're going to face a lot of things in your life, but these obstacles that you're facing, your victory doesn't always look like slaying the giant. Victory may come in the form of you dying. Victory may come in the form of you going to somewhere, some foreign country, and you're sharing the gospel, and they ask, do you believe in Jesus? And you say yes, and they shoot you in your head. They put a bullet right through your brain because you say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Is that considered victory in our brains right now? Or do we think that we're going to conquer that man with the gun? We're, we're going we're to overcome him and we're going to spread the gospel to whoever we're going to in that, in that nation, wherever they're from. We think that in our heads. We don't always win that way. You know what David had on his mind? Let's see. It says, Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in content at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you, came at me, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the name of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, you come out to me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's, of heaven's armies, the God the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will, I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. So sometimes victory may look different. But what was on David's mind? When he was going out to kill this dude, he knew that God had called him to kill this Goliath. 
okay? But the number one thing on his mind was God's glory. It was so that when he killed this man, it was so that everybody in this world knew that there was a God in Israel. That this God that he serves is the real God. That was the purpose of him going out to this giant. Because this man, in the very beginning, in his taunts toward me, he said, I'm defying the armies of Israel. And he was like, who is this man? Who do you think you are? You know, you know, when you're defying us, you're defying God. And so he's just like, I'm, I'm not going to take that. I'm not, I'm not going to take you just dogging my God out. You know, I'm, I'm going after him. He's like, Saul, give me, give me the sword, man. Get, get, armor me up. And he puts it on. He's like, no, I don't, I don't like this. You know what? I'm just going to go out there, and I know that God is going to hand this dude over to me because he's defying God. The number one thing on his mind was so that God would be lifted high in his life. He didn't kill this dude so that he could be the strong David that everybody can look up to, that he can be the new king, and he's just going to be all uppity, and he's going to be the new king, and I'm, I'm, I'm David. I'm David who killed Goliath. No, he's David, the servant of God. That's who David is. So the thing I want us to notice about boldness is that you submit to your call and God will give you strength to do whatever it is that He's called you to do. Whether it's slay a giant, whether it's to die for your faith, to share the gospel with a friend that you see every day, God will give you strength to do that. And sometimes... I really feel like people's, our willingness to be humble really gets in the way of that. We have to be willing for God to change our hearts. And you know how he does that? Whenever I come up here to preach, I feel like, sometimes I feel bad because I'm just like, I wish that I was this passionate about God's Word all the time. But it's, it's not about preaching. You know what it is? It's because I'm doing my calling. I didn't used to like this. I never wanted to be this. And then God said, this is what you're going to do. And I started crying. Because I said, I don't want to do that. I'm scared. I don't like talking to people on a stage. And you know what? I don't want to be the one that's up above everybody talking down at them. I don't want to be that. But when I read His Word, I get passionate about it. And that, that's why I preach. And you know when you'll be most passionate about God's Word? When you do His calling on your life. 
Say, so I, I wish that I could, I could point out the things in Scripture that He does. Or I, I wish that I could see the things in God's Word that He does. I wish that I could be that passionate about it. Are you doing your calling? Because that's where you're going to rely most on God. That's where you're going to go to God's Word and see, what am I supposed to do with my life? I was talking to somebody today, and we're going to talk about this just a little bit more in depth. Because I was talking about I was talking to someone today about their life as a Christian. And what he said was, well, I'm just not convicted about that. It's just something that I haven't been convicted about. You know, people say this and this and this to me all the time, but that's just something I'm not convicted about. And it doesn't bother me at all. And I knew at that moment when I was talking to him about that, that he was not seeking after God's calling in his life and the Word of God that he claims to believe as Christians, this is the only thing we have to go by. Do y'all realize that? Do we really, truly believe that this is the only thing we have to go by? If this wasn't here, we'd just be going by word of mouth. I would tell somebody something, they would tell somebody else something, they would tell somebody else something, and before you know it, 10 people knew, and 30 people knew, and 40 people knew, but the 40th person would be totally different. The things that we said would be totally different from what I said. It'd be totally twisted. That's why this, this word is so good, because it doesn't matter what somebody else says, I can always go back to this and see and when I'm following the calling that God has on my life, I can see what it actually is. I can see what He's calling me to do, and I can see that He's going to give me strength. And I see this, He's like, I'm just not convicted about it. I'm like, have you read it? Have you read God's Word? Have you, have you really seen? And if you call yourself a Christian, I can understand if we're, if we're new Christians, okay, I understand there's going to be levels of understanding, and the longer you are a Christian, the more you'll be able to understand these things. But is your, is your life based on God and following after Him? That's the source of our boldness. The source of our boldness comes from, from God. It comes from us being humble and being willing to change when God tells us to change. When He tells us to go deeper, we go deeper. We don't just sit in our chairs and do nothing about the things that are going on in our hearts. That's what we don't do. And if we're claiming God, we don't sit around and just say, well, you know what, God's okay with me. Well, why are you assuming that? Oh, yes, He forgives, but what are you thinking? What are you doing? Do you really love God because your life sure does not show it? It's not about rules, but your life will show the love you have for God. And that's the bottom line. And you know what you'll be bold against? You know, David is the foreshadowing of Jesus coming to conquer death and sin. Goliath being death and sin, David being Jesus, just a foreshadowing of who he really is and what Jesus is coming to do. And I want to ask this. I want to leave it at this. Are you being bold toward the sin in your life? As humans, we can minimize the effects of sin, just what it causes in our lives. And we can also minimize the result of that sin, being death and hell. We just think it's nothing. Jesus thought it was something. 
He thought it was so serious that he died for it. And my question to myself and to everybody is, are you being bold toward the sin in your life and the sin in others' lives? Heavenly Father, God, I, sometimes what you, what you call us to say and do is not always easy, and not everybody agrees with it. But Lord, I hope that, that what I said was not, a, not against you, Lord, and I pray and I hope that it was truth. And Lord, if it wasn't, I pray that you would just help us to understand what it actually is. And, and Lord, help me to understand what, it, what I said that wasn't truth, Lord. And I, I want my life to be about your truth. And God, I want to be bold against sin and not tolerate it, Lord. But then again, understand your grace. Understand that you died for my sin and that, that I don't have to follow these rules to have good standing with you, God. I put my faith in you. And God, I just pray right now for anybody struggling with sin. Your Holy Spirit would just convict people now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.